God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads together tonight. Lord Jesus, how we love you, Father. We're so grateful, Lord, that you're a present help to us in the time of trouble. Lord, you don't promise us as Christians that we will be exempt from heartache and difficulty and trouble that will come our way. But what you promise is that you'll be with us and that you'll help us, that you'll strengthen us. Our bodies are not superhuman bodies and our cells aren't superhuman cells to where they're exempt from disease and affliction. Our feelings aren't exempt from being hurt. We're not exempt from being disappointed and let down. But we do have your promises that you'll never leave us or never forsake us. The word tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. We thank you so much for that, Father. We're so glad that we're able to assemble ourselves together again tonight, Lord. How we long for the day when we'll all be able to gather together again, but until that time comes, we're going to take advantage of every opportunity that's given to us. As we endeavor to look into your word tonight, Father, I pray that you'd speak to us, open our hearts, may our hearts be as the fertile ground, Lord, by which the seed can be quickened to grow and be able to multiply and reproduce the productivity of this hour. We love you, Father. We appreciate you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Charles Schaller doing well? How about the rest of you? Okay, now, is this the Pentecostal side or the Baptist side? Y'all are messing me up so bad on the way everybody's coming in here, huh? Maybe y'all get mixed up. A little bit of Baptist here, a little bit of Pentecostals there in every group category. Amen. So glad to have you. Glad it's your turn tonight to come to church. Amen. Won't it be wonderful? And <laughs> Won't it be wonderful whenever service is your turn again? Amen. God bless you. So, so appreciate you. Let's turn, if you would, again tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Brother Darrell will be preaching for us on, the, on Saturday night of this week, so let's pray for him that the Lord will just bless our brother and give him the things that will be beneficial for us. Figured you might need an evangelist instead of the old pastor all the time, so he'll, we'll kind of use him while he's here off the field a little bit. We so appreciate Brother Darrell and what, he's, uh, what he means to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm not sure what uh, these, these things are meaning to you, but to me, I'll tell you. It's just helped me to see our Lord Jesus in a way that I've never seen him before. And not only see him, but to be able to see us and be able to relate to us. I hope you don't mind us reading these scriptures uh, for these several services. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's a very astounding scripture because you've still got the same body and still got the same spirit. Same color of hair, eyes, same faults, same weaknesses that you always had. But yet, all things have become new. 
but all things has to be put in the right category. So you see, when we're reading the Bible or when we're listening to the message, we have to rightly apply that or we make the Word a lie. Praise the Lord. And we know there's no lie that's in the Word. Notice now, Paul says, and all things are of God. So does that mean cancer? TB? Again, the Word has to be placed in the right place. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though, I love this, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless his words, you may be seated. Reconciliation through kenosis. You know, in preaching the Godhead, it's always a quite tricky thing because there's a, an element of the Godhead which is doctrinal-based, which is based on the Logos, which is based on theological terms to where you can use this word and apply it here and use this word and apply it there. But there's also the mysterious form of the Godhead. That's where theologians miss it because they study it from the intellectual side, from the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and they take the diphthongs and the certain slant over the Hebrew letter, which a slant of changing it from this to this has a different meaning. Or an underscore of a certain letter would put it in a complete different meaning. So theologians spend their whole life trying to study them angles. Well, I'm sure glad I don't have to do that. I don't understand none of them angles in the first place, do you? So you can see why those who lean more to the intellectual side by using their mind, why that they would totally miss the whole concept of God revealing himself in the way of supernatural. So it wasn't long actually after the advent of our Lord coming to the earth and then ascending back up into heaven till the doctrinal issues began to erupt in the first church age. We're not the first church age, of course, to deal with such doctrinal things about the Godhead and many other things, but they were very prevalent right after the Lord Jesus was on the earth. So when you look at that, it helps you to understand why there could be such division and such separation. And it continues to be so today. So some then, you know, 30 years after the Lord was here, they begin to make him just a man. Others, no, 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 no. He, he couldn't have been just a man. He had to be more than a man. So some thought that he actually was God, God flesh, and he did not actually die. 
but he only acted out the part of death. Others said, no, he was only a man. He was conceived between Joseph and Mary. Therefore, his blood actually was not holy, but it was symbolically holy. And you believe on the symbolism of that holy blood. Well, we know that's absolutely contrary to the scripture. Well, then we come on down to our day, and then we have a restored truth. And what you find is amazing is you have people in the message, and many of them are just as confused as people are back in the Baptist, the Methodist, or the Church of God. And you're saying, how can that be? Because we have theologians that have raised up inside the message without the Holy Ghost themselves. And then they don't understand the oneness of the Godhead. So they, they know there ain't three. So they look at the scriptures about Father and Son. And the Lord said unto my Lord. And you know the closest they can get is wind up with two. So they wind up with what's called in, in our ranks the two Lord doctrine. And then in the two Lord doctrine, they make the Lord Jesus inferior. They say the Lord Jesus has no angels. The Lord Jesus is not to be worshipped. Uh-huh. The Lord Jesus better be careful lest God will get him. That is heathenism. Absolute heathenism. That's right. But why would it still be missed after the restoration? Well, it just makes sense. When you look at it, that God allowed the prophet to restore. And one of the primary things that was going to be restored about this message was what? The true understanding of who he is. Is that right? So you cannot know who he is if you're believing in two. You cannot know who he is if you think that God manifested himself in the Old Testament as one person and manifested himself in the New as a total different separate person. You still don't know who he is. The Jehovah of the Old was Jesus of the New. Now, you'll never understand that by theology. You'll never understand it from just a study of all the Greek words and the diphthongs and the how-longs and the short-longs and this and that and the other. It'll have to be revealed to you by the Holy Ghost. Now, when we look at that, the key to being able to understand how that he was actually God before he became a man. He was the Father before He was the expression of the Son. But when the expression became in the form of the Son, He allowed Himself to totally be emptied out of all of the fatherhood attributes in order to be able to understand us. Now, it was not that He was this lesser person and that He was a lesser God of some sort. Absolute nonsense. He, he chose this route of emptying Himself out. It was not, it was a little bitty boy God up there in heaven and this little boy God didn't have any power and didn't have any angels and didn't have all these things. There ain't no such a thing as a boy God. It is Jehovah and Jehovah alone. As a matter of fact, he said, there is none besides me, no, not one. There wasn't no two or three thrones. He looked over and said, I don't see nobody here but me. Well, if he didn't see nobody but him, I don't want to see nobody but him either. Do you? 
But yet, whenever you try to understand it with your mind, you can see why that one side goes to Jesus only, which is like this, which I've been Jesus only, and that's wrong. And I've also been like this. So now that I'm in the message, I definitely don't want to become this. Why would I want to cover the whole spectrum? But what I want to be is leave this, which I was baptized in, and then I went from that side of the ditch over to this side of the ditch, and now that I've cleaned out both sides of the ditch and spent many years of my life ditch cleaning, I would like to spend the last few years of my life being able to go down the heavenly highway if that's at all possible. Anybody hearing with me kind of in the same category? I get tired of throwing out beer cans and Coke cans and beer bottles and butt, cigarette butts and all that thing in the ditches. I'd like to be up on this highway of holiness. I'd like to march here in the middle of the road if it would be God's grace and spend the rest of my life up here on this highway, wouldn't you? Now, it's so sad whenever you understand that that so many of the folks around the message are still really confused about who the Lord Jesus is. But we know that it takes Him to make it known to us. Now, I might be able to study and study, put scriptures together, quotes together, and so on, and be able to help you see it intellectually. But really, I cannot give you a revelation as your pastor. Your husband might say it, wives, and you might not say it, or your wives may say it brothers she may actually get a jump on you and say it before you do and she might share with you what she sees but she cannot give you a revelation that is Christ's way of making himself known to the bride it is the direct current and contact from him personally to you so it don't come to the head of the home it should be the father and then the father gives it to the wife she gives it to the daughter the daughter gives it to the son and on down it's Christ's way of revealing it to every individual that's in the mystical body I'm glad it's that way so we don't receive it second-handed. So now, if we were natural members of Brother Branham's family, it does not mean that we would have superior access to the revelation of God. Now, we know the Lord Jesus had foster brothers and foster sisters, which they were Joseph's sons, which his wife had died earlier. And we know then that even James and Jude would have been the half-brothers of the Lord Jesus after the flesh. But neither James nor Jude uh, claim any type of closer revelation or superior revelation to the Lord Jesus because they were raised in the same house. Now, I hope you understand this. There was a time that James and Jude did not even know who the Lord Jesus was. As a matter of fact, you'll find the scripture that his brothers come to him and said, why don't you go up to the feast and make yourself known? Everybody, that's what you claim you are. They, they want everybody to know it because the Bible said even his brothers did not not believe in him. So here was James, here was Jude, here was Salome, here was the others that did not know who he was. So just because we would have been born into the family of Brother Branham, that does not give us, you know, somehow superiority above the rest of the brothers or the sisters that are born in the Word of God. Amen? As a matter of fact, I sometimes think we're more blessed by not having a flesh tie to the Lord Jesus or a flesh tie to the Jewish pedigree or a flesh tie to William Branham 
Branham or some of these men who was around Brother Branham because we realize we have no tie only but by the revelation of the Word of God. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The man who, who Brother Branham mentions his name led me to the message. I'm not against that, but I've found a lot of those are sometimes the first one that'll hit the trail. I ain't talking about the sawdust trail. I'm talking about the serpent trail. One of the first ones that'll leave this message. But see, the most of us never had that, so God himself revealed it to us, and when a lot of those folks are gone, guess what? We're still standing. Because we did not come because, well, a certain, certain man that Brother Ram laid his hands on, and I, I, I've been under him, and because he was faithfully taught, and I'm faithfully taught. Hogwash. You're not faithfully taught by no man, no how. You're faithfully taught as that man will surrender to the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost in him speaks of the Holy Ghost in you, and it forms an eternal tie which can never be broken. Praise the Lord. Now, looking at this about the deity, to me, in looking at this, I, my goodness, I preach on the Godhead, I don't even have any time since the Lord has revealed it to me. But this has brought a key in what we've been looking at lately. And the key to me is the key of the understanding of kenosis. That it was not that he did not exist as the Almighty before, or that he was something inferior, but it was him who, through the act of kenosis, that condescended and changed himself into another form in order to come down as we are and to be the beginning of this new race. Let's read if you would in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Now remember Paul had quite an understanding of the Godhead although he never met the Lord Jesus in his natural body. He met the Lord Jesus after he had left the earth and returned back or reverted back to that Logos form as he was before he became flesh. And Paul then had an insight to the Lord Jesus that James and maybe some of them didn't quite have. First Timothy 3.16 And without controversy or without argument, great is the mysterion. Now this is the Greek word, mysterion of godliness. And the word mysterion means something that has been previously kept secret but is now made known to certain ones that are handpicked. It's not made known to everybody, but it is something that was a secret, and now it is made known to the initiated. Those that have been initiated into a certain understanding or a certain position. So it says, great is the mystery of godliness. For notice he does not use the word godhead, but godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now notice here as he sets forth about the personage of God in the Godhead that it comes to the attribute of God which is godliness which means to be like God. So great is the mystery to be like God. Now notice Jesus is the head or the first of this new race. So if Jesus was going to be the head of a divine race then he would have been divine only then every son and daughter of God born 
after him and the church ages would have been totally divine and they would have reverted from mortality and become supernatural creatures at their new birth. They would have no longer had temptation or trouble or any type of human weaknesses at all. But I want you to notice that Paul sets forth the mystery of what this new race is going to be. It's actually going to be the union of two natures that are blended together in the same body. So the mystery, this mystery of godliness had not existed before this time. Because God would take up a temporary body, whether it was a pillar of fire or a light or a cloud or a bush or an angelic theophany form, God would take on a form, he would get into that and express himself and then God would go back in. Now what, what many of these people saw, of course, in the Old Testament was a prefigure of Christ and they would say they saw God as the elder in Exodus 24 uh, the Bible says that they saw God and they sat down and they eat and drink and it talks about the pavement of the gold and so on well we know that actually they never saw God because Jesus when he came, he said no man hath at any time seen him but what they saw was an effigy or they saw a similarity of his likeness it was a portion of his deity that he allowed to be able to reflect as it was in that bush but yet that bush was not him and whenever Moses said I, I want to see you Lord and he said no you're not going to be able to see me I want to see your face he said no man has ever seen my face and live but he said I want you to get here in this spot and then I'll move my hand and whenever I walk by I'll let you see well he has to see the face and he saw the back parts of a man well was it a prefigure of Christ so no man actually had ever seen God and we know that Jacob wrestled with God and he called the name of that place Peniel. But Jacob never saw the eternal. But he saw a reflection of the portion of the imagery of the attribute. But it was not the attribute of the fullness of God. Now remember, you're trying to pull that through your mind and say, how in the world would that be? Well, just keep in mind that we're a pea brain or a little bird brain type of thing and we're trying to figure out God. So don't go with all your thinking, well, you know, this is so, so deep. No, the more simple you can keep yourself, the easier it will be for you to understand. The more you try to complex it, the more you're running around that brain of yours, the more confused you'll come out on the other side. Right. So without controversy, great is the mystery of God in this. For God was manifest in the flesh. But Paul did not say God was the flesh. But he said God was manifest in the flesh. Now let's revert it back. As God was manifest in the fire. As God was manifest in the bush. But the bush was not God. And God manifests himself in the cloud. But the cloud was not God. So simply all that he did was Brother Darrell was change his costume as it were. So God was in the fire. God was in the bush. God was in the cloud. And then God come in the flesh. Now if God God would have wanted the perfect imagery of his people down to the church ages to be God living in a cloud, then God would have come down and a cloud would have come out of Mary or a cloud would have come out of the temple and then every one of us when we got born again we would have become a cloud too. So we would have just floated around and that would have been our new birth. Now remember whatever God makes the beginning of the new race, then every member of the race must follow in that same pattern. 
you follow me? Now, he is the first of the supersede or the new race. He's the first one that's starting in this work of reconciliation to bring us back to God. So keep that in mind, and it'll give you an idea of what the future ages were to be. Thankfully, we're at the consummation of that, but this ought to help us to understand what we are and what we're heading up to. So what was the head of this new race? It was God in a human being. It was not God's spirit in God flesh, but God in a human being. So that is the beginning of the new race. So what would everyone then that is born after that, what are they going to be? It's going to be God inside their human body. Well, what will eternal life be? Well, the prophet said it will be eternal life in a human body. Think of it. For those of us that are alive and remain... Our bodies will be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye and it will be eternal life in our human body that is actually transformed. For those that have died and gone on, their human body will raise. They have entered into their theophany and their theophany will be released from the sixth dimension. It will come and unite again with that human body. Eternal life in a human body. This is the super sign. The eternal sign it will never fail away amen this super sign this is why brother Branham called it the eternal sign listen to me children is speaking in tongues is a sign but I found no reference whatsoever that it'll ever be done in heaven laying hands on the sick is a sign these signs shall follow them that believe but we will not be laying hands on the sick in eternity because there won't be no sick there we will not be prophesying and interpreting come on now we will not be having prayer lines we will not be doing many of the things that we do now but what will we be doing in eternity still reflecting the eternal sign which began in the the reign of our mortality glory be to God it started now don't you understand that eternal sign of the super sign is already reflecting itself in your mortal bodies as you sat right here tonight after your new birth started inside of you the very image of you being reflected in eternity has already started what do you mean brother Donnie eternal life in a human body Notice this, Paul said God was manifest in the flesh. Now here is the great mystery of kenosis. So it is the union of the two natures, divine and human, in this same person called the Lord Jesus. Great is the mystery of godliness for God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Now the mystery then is the converging together of both divine and human, and this is the mystery of godliness. Amen. Now we are not made to be angels. We do have a theology 
Stephanie, which we will get in place of our spirit at the rapture or the resurrection. But God never made us to be angels. We will never be angels. We were not created to be angels. God made us human beings. And then God made himself a human being. But God will not have us as angels floating around on clouds in heaven and that's just doing it on whatever angels do. But we are going to be recipients of eternal life and we will be living in houses that will bear the image, listen to me, they will bear the image of an earthly identity even in our city that we are going to. There are gardens, there are parks, there are streams, there are rivers, praise God. There is a wall which is of course earthly, merged into the heavenly. There are foundations which we can relate to in a house or a building. There's all kinds of things that merges into our heavenly home because the heavenly home is really the epitome of you and God joined together. The new, don't you see, the new Jerusalem is the super sign bearing the image of what God done by the new birth in you. It's written all over your city. It's written all over you. Why? Because it was written all over him. It was the merging together of the divine and the human. And yet if we're not careful, we, we so despise our humanity. And I understand that. But what we need to focus on is that God is only merging us together now to be left in this mortal prison for a season of time. Oh, I'll be glad to get rid of my body. I, I understand. I don't like getting old. I don't like aging. I don't like sickness and pain no more than any of the rest of y'all do. But really what we want to focus on is that we're not getting tired so much. We're not getting rid of rather the humanity, but the humanity in mortality. Humanity reflected by eternity is an absolute ideal concept because it was proportioned from the mind of God in the Garden of Eden. So God never made Adam an angel and Adam was just kind of floating around, you know, with wings on his back and all that. Adam was never an angel. Adam was a man. And God gave him that direct access by the tree of life unto eternal life in the Garden of Eden. So it must have been God's perfect thought of what a man would be. Not an angel, not a cherubim, oh my, not a cherubim, something like that that would be up there. Something, oh my, a seraph in heaven. No, it was not that at all. But it was a man who would get up every morning, a man that would lay down at night, a man that would pluck the fruit off the tree, a man that would kneel, kneel down on his knee and cup his hand and, and pull water out of the water and go through the paradise of God. That was God's idea of what a man was. So what? What did theology do? Theology then processes and pulls it through and makes heaven what? Somewhere where we all float around on, on clouds and play funny looking guitars and lutes and harps and this and that and the other. And when the prophet come, he said, now I don't believe that heaven is what my mama used to tell me years ago before the opening of the seven seals. It would all float around on clouds and play musical instruments. He said, if that be so, then all the musicians would have something on us. But it is actually a continuation of this same life. Now to 
to the unredeemed thinking, we're thinking uh, the same life. It's the same life without sin. The same life without sickness, without any permissive will of God. Tell me what was wrong with the life that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Absolutely nothing. Well, granny, my friend, that's exactly where we're going back to. Because we, it will consummate, the, the super race will consummate where? Winding right back in the Garden of Eden as it was, praise God. Except it will be with him sitting upon the throne and the full revelation of godliness will not only be revealed with the eternal walking down through the garden in an invisible body, but it will be the eternal through the office of sonship which he maintained by the great sacrificial work at the cross and he will never again, never again drive man out of the paradise of God. And what will we be? We will be there in eternal bodies. Amen. We will have eyes that are beyond these eyes, ears that are beyond these ears. Amen. But you will not be an angel. You will not be a cherubim. You will be a man and a woman. Praise God. We will eat. We will drink. We will enjoy. We will life. We will rejoice. We will worship. But I'll tell you some things we won't do. We won't cry. We won't die. We won't get weary. We won't get sad. We won't get depressed. Hallelujah. All of that will be gone. It will be eternal life human bodies the union of the two natures divine and human the mystery of godliness it could not be perfected in Moses could not be perfected in David or Jeremiah or any of the Old Testament characters it could only be perfected in the Creator becoming part of His creation. Watch this in the Laodicean church age. Now He's standing in the midst of the church as He stands there revealing who He is in this life stage. He calls Himself the author of the creation of God. This is another creation. This has to do with the church. Amen. This is a special designation of himself. He is the creator of that church. So that lets me know you can't join it. You can't buy into it. Well, I've decided I want to be a part of it. It don't come that way. It comes by him creating you a part of it. This is a special designation of himself. He is the creator of that church. The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. As the spirit of God, he came down and created in the virgin Mary the cells from which his body was born. I want to repeat that. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. Can you imagine the great eternal coming down and allowing his body, his human body, to begin as the cell in the womb of a woman? There was nothing from her at all, nothing from her tubes, nothing whatsoever from her. He himself created both seed and egg. He allowed himself to, <laughs> allowed himself to enter into that stage of his own creation you imagine the, the eternal 
being so helpless? He was not just a toothless baby. He was one cell in the womb of a woman. And he slapped, pulled the wool over the devil's eyes. There's no way he would have ever believed God was in the womb of that woman. Why? He can't think humble. He thinks big. He thinks how wonderful he is, how great he is, how magnificent he is. That ain't the way God thinks. God thinks he's great through humility. So God knew he could come this way and the devil would never look for him like this. Where the devil would look for him would be on king's thrones. Hanging in the royal gardens and all the diadems and maybe behind purple robes and blue robes and scarlet because that's what the, the devil thought greatness was. Oh, I'll find him in the king's palace. I'll find him over here in the treasury of all the gold. I'll find him over there and all the silver. Oh, he's got to be here somewhere. I know I'll find him. Oh, I'm going to find him one of these days. And God said, I'm going to pick the very place that the devil will never look. The womb. Of a woman. And there I will hide. And he veils himself. And behind the veil. Of the womb of a woman. And Satan running around there for Where'd he go? Where is he? Where'd he go? Dumb devil. He's still pretty dumb. He still don't believe where he is today either. You think he believes he's in you the way we profess he is? I imagine the devil holds his side sometime and leaving here and other places where men of God are preaching the word of the hour and the devil probably thinking, them, them people's crazy. And that preacher is absolute nuts standing up there and telling them people that God is in them. Does he not know these people have problems and sickness and trouble? Yeah, I know it. But what I understand is this. The Father in Jesus' body did not stop Jesus from being sick. The Father in Jesus' body, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, did not stop Jesus from having frustrations and problems. But that was the super sign, the merging of both natures in the same house. <laughs> Praise boy, I tell you, some of y'all ought to be having a spell about right now. And you thinking your problems is what disassociates you from being identified with him? That identifies you more than shouting. I ain't found no place where Jesus ever danced. I ain't found no place where Jesus ever cut a shine and had a spell. But I know he had trouble. He always I could be like Jesus. I've got so much trouble. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Notice this. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to simply give life to human ovum supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing a body. That would not have produced the last Adam of him. It was said, lo, a body hast thou, Father, prepared for me. God 
not Mary. This is why when I pray, I don't pray to the secretary. Hail Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the time of our departure. Amen. Hail Mary, Mother of God. Well, I said, I want to speak to the secretary when I can speak to the boss. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad I ain't got all them saints to pray for. You know, you got St. Anthony for one thing, and then you got St. Josiah for this, and you got St. So-and-so, and St. Joseph, you got one for protection, and one for food, and one for healing. I, I'm glad I just got one. I, I've got one name I called on. It, it covers my healing, Brother Darrell. It covers depression. It covers stress. It covers anxiety. Whatever I need, I got one name. Hallelujah. And that is the name of my God. Notice this. Mary was the human incubator. And she carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was a God-man. He was the Son of God. He was of the new... New creation. Now notice what this new creation is. Man and God met and joined. Do you understand your portion of the Holy Ghost that you have in your soul tonight will be yours forever? If you have eternal life tonight, you cannot die. The part of you that has it. That's why your body will, because your body don't have it. Brother God, I can't wait till I get in the rapture and I'll be the super sign. If you ain't a super sign now, you won't be in the rapture. The rapture is a consummation that the super sign is already working in our mortality. But we're getting old, Brother Donnie. We have sicknesses and disease and troubles just like the first super sign had. Being a super sign does not exempt you from trouble. It does not exempt you from heartache. Not a mortal that's ever lived on the earth ever suffered what he suffered. And yet, he was the first of the new race where God and man would be one. In the same body. I don't want to stagger you all too bad, but I'm deity tonight. Go, come on, come on. Just take hands and do like this. It helps it to go down better. If you got the Holy Ghost, you're deity. Oh, I love that sermon, Deity of Jesus Christ, 1949, when Brother Ram said, we're not worshiping Christ in a manger somewhere, or we're not worshiping some God way off there in heaven. He said, but we're worshiping God in you. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this. He goes on to say, man and God met and joined. He was the first of this new race. Of power and weakness, strength and humility. A part of you which has transcended time, and another part of you which time is your enemy. And that is the mystery of godliness. 
Oh sure, I, I could find it much easier that God would live in some holy realm somewhere way off dedicated, you know, millions of miles away as we'd say, in behind some veil somewhere real, real thick where humans couldn't get, where angels couldn't get. Yes, God is there. Why is it that we so struggle thinking that that same God can live skin deep beyond where we are? Deity veiled in human flesh. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. He was the first of this new race. He is the head of this new race. And then the prophet gives this scripture, Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Second Corinthians 5.17, our opening scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There you can see that though man was of the old order or creation, now in union with Christ, he has become the new creation of God. But left in this new creation in the same old temple. That's the new race. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in union with Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 4.24 And that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This new creation is not the old creation made over. Or it cannot be called a new creation. That is exactly what it is. It is new creation. It is another creation distinct from the old one. No longer is he dealing by ways of the flesh. That is how he dealt with Israel. He chose Abraham and of Abraham's issue through the godly Isaac line. But now of every kindred, listen now Gentiles, out of every kindred, tribe, and nation, he has purposed a new creation. Listen to this. He is the first of that creation. Adam was the first of the human creation. And when Adam fell as the head, he threw all the rest of the creation into the fall. So God started another creation with a new Adam. And this Adam is super powerful. But yet, he's human. And yet he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Denominations, pride, arrogance, selfishness, fear, anxiety, whatever more. So if the beginning of the race did, if the beginning of the race did, then you tell me what will the race be? A bunch of we, oh, pray for me. Oh God, I don't get to come back to church till next I wish I was in the A group. Oh, I wish my last name didn't begin with L. Oh, goodness, I don't know if I can make it or not. I don't know. I'm really, this, 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 this coronavirus is really stretching me out. Well, as I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, the word corona, you know what it means. It means crown. 
So you know what? You can either be crowned by Coronas or crowned by Jesus, whichever one you want. And I said, if you can be crowned with the world, the things of the world, oh, I'm barely hanging on. If you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it ain't you hanging on no how. Well, hallelujah, I pray that I can hang on to the end of the world. It ain't me hanging on. It ain't you hanging on. It ain't us. Well, hallelujah, I hope I can be able to make it till next Wednesday night. It ain't how well I've done. It's how well he's already done. Because he said, be of good cheer. I, the head of the new race, I have overcome the world. And the rest of my race will follow me. Genes. It's part of who we are. Glory to God. I love this. He has purposed a new creation. He is the first of that creation. The eternal becomes creation. How is that possible? Only in Christ Jesus. He was God created in the form of a man. Well, glory. And because he did it that way, I'm going to be in the form of man created back into the form of God. Well, hallelujah. As I said, take your hands and do this. If you need, we've got bottles of water. We'll pass it out so you can swallow this word down. Then you ruminate on him and you go home. Hallelujah. He became a man that he might turn you around and bring you back to being what? Crippled up? Little old so-called Christians that barely hang on and you'll get a, I'll overcome Laodicea t-shirt. Keep your t-shirt. I don't want no t-shirt. I want the crown of life. I don't want to barely hang on and barely make it and barely all pray for me. That old devil, bless his name, he's on my back. Well, if he gets on my back, he's going to have one ride. I'm telling you that. He gets on the back of this old Holy Ghost filled preacher. He's going to think he's on a bucking bronco because I'm going to show him how a real child of God lives. I believe friend we were born to torment hell. I believe we were called to live right in the darkest age that's ever been. We're not called to barely hang on. We're not called to barely make it. We are called to be more than conquerors because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the mystery. Greater is he that is in you. Than he, blabbermouth, liar, deceiver, thief. God the creator. Creating himself. A part of his creation. Nobody but him could even think of such a thing. Why would the eternal why would the eternal want to become a part of time? Why would the creator want to become part of his creation to express his greatness? 
and to start something that had never been before. <laughs> this is the true revelation of God. This was His purpose. This purpose took form through one of my favorite words election this was his purpose amen this purpose took form so here it is a formless thing in God's mind it is a formless plan as we'd say a, a formless program and God now must, must transmit those thoughts into tangibility. They must take a form. So God, you know, as you pour concrete or you're going to do whatever more that requires a form or a shape or a fashion. And you can use diagonal, you can use square, you can use circle, semicircle, rectangular, whatever more. So God chose what? To form this great, this great plan. He could have chose might. He could have chose strength. He could have chose beauty. He could have chose all kinds of things. But God said, the form by which I will pour the concrete of my plan is the form called election. Amen. It ain't no wonder the devil hates election and predestination and sovereignty. This purpose took form through election. This is why he could look right down to the last stage, oh my, when all would be over and see himself still in the midst of Happy Valley Church. He could see himself right down here at the Laodicean age when it's the worst age that's ever lived on the face of the earth. And he saw himself up in Brother Ron Spencer's church. He saw himself down at Brother Tim Prutz and brothers all over the world. He saw himself right there and he saw a bunch of people that would love him right to the very end. He saw them dealing with riches and poverty and COVID and this and that and the other. And through it all, they just hold their head up high and go right on pressing through the battles and pressing through their difficulty. Amen. This is why he can do it because his whole plan to form in election and he saw himself standing in the midst of that church which let him know the church would be saved or he wouldn't be in the midst of them. <laughs> he had done been thrown out of the church ages but he saw himself identified standing in the midst of the bride. Oh glory to God. This is why I always want him here among us. Oh I want him to always look by the door and be able to see himself standing in the midst of Happy Valley. This is why he could look right down to the last age when all would be over and see himself still in the midst of the church as the author. As the author of this new creation of God. Now it's sad, but he didn't see himself standing down through there in Luther's age in his strength. He did not see himself standing in Wesley's age in his strength. But something happened at the end of the Laodicean age when they went down through all that darkness and reformation after reformation and then he saw himself standing emerged again 
in the last days what happened there must have been a ministry that brought him back to the earth again there must have been a ministry through the revealing of the Son of Man. Amen. Don't you understand what Malachi for us to do? God said, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. If God had not sent Elijah, the earth would have been smitten with a curse already. You would have been smitten with it as well. Praise God. This is why we will not go through the smiting of the tribulation period. Because we have heard the words of Elijah, which are the words of God, which is producing a rapturing faith inside of us. Amen. Hallelujah. He sees himself still in the midst of the church as author of this new creation of God. His sovereign power brought it to pass. By his own decree, he elected the members of this new creation. He predestinated them to the adoption of children according to the good pleasure of his will. By his omniscience and omnipotence, he brought it to pass. How else could he know that he would be standing in the midst of the church? Receiving glory from his brethren if he did not make sure. Now you see, this is why way the denominational people preach it, that it's basically on chance. Maybe some will, but maybe many won't. Maybe some will come, but poor God, he don't know, poor guy. He's hoping somebody will feel sorry for him for sending his little boy down here. Because God let his poor little boy come down here and pay the penalty. Since God was the one who made the judgment, God should be the one to have to redeem us from the penalty of the law. But God, you know, he's kind of mean the way they project him anyway, so he sent this poor little boy. His poor little old son down here and his little old son come down here and they beat him to death and talked to him like I don't know what and treated him really bad and then God's hoping, God's hoping somebody will go. Oh, please, please go. That's in the form of stupidity and scriptural ignorance. And that's the way they formed their doctrine of salvation. That's not my God. My God knew the end from the beginning. Now most of us are so dull, so dumb, we don't even know the beginning from the beginning. We better do good to know the end of the day from the beginning of the day. Well, praise the Lord. We make up our mind, boy, this is the right thing to do by 9 o'clock, by 9.15. We've done changed it 15 times because this is the way human beings are. But he knew the end from the beginning. Think of all the billions of people that have lived on the face of the earth. Think of all the fleas, all the gnats, all the dogs, all the cats, all the horses, all the cows, all the flowers, all the bugs, all the things that have lived on the face of the earth. And he knew every one of them would be here. I'm talking about seven septillion stars in the visible universe with all those zero 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 and yet he called every one of them by name and they come out of his mouth by spoken word and he knew every creature that would live on the earth and he saw the little gnat and how long it would live and how much tallow it would make he knew the end from the beginning and he did not say well maybe oh go on down there little boy Go on. Go on, honey. I'll miss you. Papa loves you. Bye-bye. Go on, Sonny. And Sonny said, Papa, I don't want to go. But you need to go. You got to go down there and die for them people. But Papa, I don't want to go. 
So Papa went and emptied himself. And come out with a pauper's hat on and an axe. And he said, oh great king, where are you going? I'm going to go down among my people. I'm going to chop wood with a wood chopper. So your papa gathered all of his tools and there was an axe and a mattock and a shovel and a, and a hoe and all these different things. And God walked out of eternity with this bag of tools on his back. Ragged clothes as it were. And he caught the breath of life. <laughs> that toothless mouth. Little did Mary and Joseph know that same one had said, let there be. Amen. And there was. Yes, <laughs> but when he created in Genesis 1, he as of yet had not become a part of his own creation. So Mary gives birth to him. Wraps him in swaddling clothes, which you know what that was, the cloth off the yoke of the oxen. So it had ox sweat and ox hair and all that on it. Didn't lay him on a nice little pillow top mattress, but in a manger. And Mary looked at him, oh, just like any mother would. Just, oh, how sweet. With them little tiny hands, little fingers, about that long. And it was him that and the angel stood there as he hurled a hundred million stars out in space. Now them little hands that land right there. His little feet would kick. And the shepherds came. And the Magi's came, and they said, where is he that is born, the king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Let me bring it up and modernize that in modern terms. We have seen his forerunning star in the west, and we have come to worship him. Not the star, but him whom the star pointed to. Amen. They saw a star in the east which I reflected there in the heavens and also John the Baptist that morning star heralded the first coming. What was it? Elijah the evening star come and heralded the second coming. And we have seen the brightness of that star. The magnificence of that pillar of fire that God placed on that ministry. And we did not make worshipers of William Branham out of us. But what did it do? We said there's a greater than William Branham here. There's a greater than a Kentuckian here. Who is it? Who did he point us to? It's not me. I was only there that day when he come down he allowed his picture to be taken with me oh hallelujah brother Branham was not the pillar of fire he was not the son of man the son of man is Christ Jesus let's stand how else could he know that he would be standing in the midst of the church
receiving glory from his brethren if he did not make sure. Now, you imagine he saw this Wednesday night with your alphabetical category standing here tonight. We're, we're all still shocked by all this. We're still surprised trying to figure out what's going on. This one reports this and this one reports that and you figure out. wonder which one of them is the biggest liars because that's about the way I think all of them are anyway. Which one's the biggest liars? Is it the left or the right or the middle? Which one's, well, they're all liars. Well, you might as well go ahead and say, man, but Brother Donnie, I voted for him or I don't care who you voted for. They might be good people, but if they ain't got the Holy Ghost, they'll never get in politics and stay straight. Politics is of the devil. What we need is a godly king. Or should I say, God the king. Hallelujah. Notice this. He saw himself receiving glory from his brethren. And you wonder why I want you to praise the Lord and love him. Not just in church, but every day of your life. He saw himself in our midst. And he saw himself receiving glory and adoration. That must have been so outstanding to him. Isn't that amazing? Brother Ram didn't say that he saw the sisters with the long hair. Or he saw the brothers with thirst cut. And he didn't see the, the sisters with britches on, or he didn't see the men wearing skirts. But they're giving him glory. They are doing that by the way they live. They're doing that by manifesting the declared word. And this was so outstanding that he receiving glory from his brethren. What did he do? He saw himself standing there. Why, Brother Darrell, would he do that? He predestinated to see himself that way. He could have saw himself however he wanted. But he projected this thought of seeing himself in the midst of his brethren. And he saw himself receiving glory and honor and praise. Then when you and I do that, we are responding to his thought. We are responding to what he saw. You believe what you want to believe. I believe he saw me worshiping him. He knows my name. He knew my name. He called my name. Praise be to God. He found me, as it were, at the woman at the well. Drawn from Pentecost. Drawn from oneness. Drawn from Trinity. Drawn from here. Drawn from there. What was I doing? Searching for eternal life. Searching for something that would satisfy. Praise God. Amen. Oh my. He knew. He knew that he would be standing in the midst of the church receiving glory from his brethren if he did not make sure all things he knew and all things he worked out according to what he knew. All things he worked out according to what he knew in order that his purpose and good pleasure be brought to pass. Well, I just happened to stumble by at Happy Valley one day. I just passed by one day and I just thought, wonder why they have church on Saturday night. I believe I'll just turn in there. But Brother Donnie, I just happened to come in. I just made up my mind. Well, if you're the one that done it all, you won't be with us long. But if you're like Rebecca was, the prophet of God said, when Eliezer went down that day, he began to pray, Lord, I pray you'll send your angel and go before me. That I can find the appropriate wife for my master Isaac. The prophet said, I believe that angel was there at the well 
when Rebecca got there. I imagine there must have been something else, some type of angel of the Lord at another well, right? St. John 4. Boy, the Lord loves calling people at wells, don't he? Praise God. Hallelujah. And you're saying, now, Lord, I'll tell you, the, the woman that I say, uh, uh, that I say, um, let's, let's join the church, that she'll say, let's join the church. They said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to pray this certain way. Now, the woman, I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask for water. And I'm going to ask for a certain thing to minister to this power that will carry her back. This way I know she'll respond in a way to let her say that. So can I have some water? She said, absolutely, I'll be glad to draw water for you and for your camels also. So she's watering the very power that's going to carry her back. Amen. Praise God. I feel sorry for those who don't love to worship God. That means you're not watering your power. Just standing there looking. No amens, no hallelujahs, no glory to God's. You better get your bucket out. I said, you better get your bucket out. Go to worshiping this power. Amen. It'll be that very same power one day that'll start from the inside out and change you back to an 18-year-old man or woman. Praise God. Let me read this scripture that he includes in this quote, and we'll close. Ephesians 2.11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And then he closes out this lovely paragraph with these words. Hallelujah! Aren't you glad that you belong to him? I mean, he's glad. Aren't you glad you belong to him? Praise God. Can you sing that song for us, Harry? He knows my name. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Counts the stars one and all He knows how much sand is on the shore He sees every sparrow that falls He made the mountains and the seas He's in control of everything Of all creatures great Every step that I take
Thank you, Lord Jesus. He counts the stars one and all. One and all. He knows how much sand is Hallelujah. on the shore. Hallelujah. He sees every sparrow. Oh, what about you, children? My daddy, he made the mountains and the sea. And the sea. My daddy's in control of everything. All creatures great. children it's more than our minds can comprehend but before there was a foundation of the world he saw this service right here tonight on Wednesday night he saw the handful that would be here in comparison to our normal attendance he saw the diseases he saw where America would be where the world would be and he saw himself in our midst and he saw you glorified him he saw you loving him. Some of you worshipped him right here in this building tonight. And some of you in your home, in reality, you haven't felt like it. You feel like he's not even heard you in months. You felt like he don't even hear your prayers when you pray. But you wanted him to know you love him anyhow. You find yourself tonight in a situation you never ever thought you'd be in. And it raises so many questions about why and how come. And you just don't understand. But in spite of all the questions, and I'll tell you, you won't have the answers for all of them. You might as well just forget it. But you still know 
He knew you'd be here. And one of these days when you look back through there and you see them one set of footprints and you say, my goodness, Lord, where were you at? What in the world? How come you, Lord, I, why, why did you let me go through that alone? He said, oh, no, no, no. Them footprints wasn't yours. It was me carrying you Amen. through the troubles of life. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. Aren't you glad you belong to him? Amen. Don't you love him with all your heart tonight, saints? Praise God. So appreciate you. Service Saturday night. Let's come back expecting the Lord to move for us once again and on Sunday. We've had a, a little bit of a question that's been raised by some folks. If they needed prayer, how they're going to be able to come up for prayer and social distance. Since my arm is only that long. Um. Uh, a lot of times whenever we're singing and worshiping and the music and things is, is playing, I have to get my ear pretty close to you to be able to hear what your request is. Or you might be praying for a late payment on a car and I'm asking God to give you a baby. <laughs> so it's very vital that I, you know, <laughs> we do definitely be on the same page, right brothers and sisters? Yes, yes. So I've been trying to think about it and talk to Brother J.D. and Brother Darrell. We was discussing it tonight for those that, that want prayer. and we, If you want prayer, we certainly want you to come for prayer. I don't want you to feel like that you cannot come for prayer. And this is my view on all of this whole scenario. Uh, hopefully none of us here tonight are, you know, are sick or infected by this devil. Um, and I know I certainly don't want to be. And I don't want any of y'all to be. But I would not want to be a carrier and pray for someone in group A through G and then another someone from the next group come up and me pray for them and someone come up in the next group and me pray for them and then because all three groups have been exposed to me, guess what? We have to shut down the entire church. It just, it just happens in two, two churches. Um, so we want to do our very best because we know the devil, he'd love for us to shut up. He would love to stop us, but we're going to do everything that we can, right? So, if you need prayer, we want you to come up for prayer. But to, to protect you and to protect me, if you want to come up for prayer, why don't you write down what you need, and you come up and hand it to me, and I'll read it, and we'll pray for you. You all right with that? Anybody got a problem with that? You do? Give me your solution. That's what I figured. Now, we'll get through this. Brother Donnie, I hate all this stuff. I do too. But I would rather have it this way than not have it at all. Now, hey, friends, I thank God for streaming, but God never made me a streamer. Now, I know some people have to, and they ain't got no place to go, and I understand it, but I'm so glad that I, I, I can myself come to the house of God. So we, we want to do it. And, and the Deacon brothers have said you all have been absolutely wonderful. And cooperating with all this. And I know it changes everything. Absolutely everything about coming to church and all that. And I so appreciate your cooperation with it. And I know the Deacon brothers do as well. And we'll get through this time. And we'll get past it. As I said, Dr. Fauci and this doctor and that doctor saying it'll be with us forever. I have heard another report. My God is going to intervene for us, friends. Oh, we're able to come to church. Don't stop praying now. No, let's just pray that this thing stays away from us. Because we don't want none of our brothers and sisters to get it. And we want to be able to continue on and be able to assemble together. God bless you. Brother Dale, would you come and dismiss us? I love you all in the Lord. God bless you. I wish I could hug you, but until later. I'll give you an air hug. How's that? God bless you.
overwhelmed by the word, Lord, that we've heard this evening. And how, how, Lord, is so fitting for the season and the hour that we're living in, Lord, that begin to understand who we are and what it is that you want to achieve in our lives. And we're so grateful for that, Lord, that you chose us and yourself before the foundation of the world. Lord, it just shows a whole new light on what we was put here for, Lord. And not just to be a church member, Lord, but, but to be a body represented on the earth. God walking in flesh once again. Oh, God, how we thank you for these revelations, Lord. Knowing, dear God, that these vitamins of the word that we're feeding upon, surely, Lord. Surely, Lord, it's bringing forth something inside of us. Going to break out of these old hides one day, Lord. Change in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Lord, how we just thank you for the things that we've heard, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here. We ask, dear God, your blessings upon Brother Donnie. Restore his strength to him, dear God, we pray. Lord, you see the need in his body, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, by the same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave. May that stone pass from his body, Lord, we pray. Oh, God, we believe you're our healer, Lord, the keeper of our of our flame, Lord, and we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, dear God. Not only for Brother Donnie, Lord, but others in the assembly that would be afflicted, oh God. We look to you, the healer of our bodies, Lord, and we claim our healing in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it, Lord God, tonight. Be with each one, Lord, as they make their way home, dear God. Watch over them, take them safely home. Those streaming, Lord, around the world and at home, bless them, Lord. May your presence be felt there in your, their homes, Lord. We just love you, Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity. We ask these things humbly in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Are you glad to be a Christian? Are you glad for the revelation, the stimulation? Amen. Praise the Lord. Sing a little bit more, Brother Harry. May God richly bless you, saints. Amen. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just worship you now. There is none like you thank you lord no one else can touch my heart like you do i could search for all eternity long and find there is Touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you, Jesus. There is none. 
could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you Search for all eternity. 